Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. If you are visiting us this morning, it is so good to have you. It is so good to have you with us. Uh, My name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I uh, are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. We are a young church, a new church. Uh, We just celebrated two years uh, a couple weeks ago. So God has been doing some great things. If you heard already, we are actually moving uh, at the end of the summer into a new building, and uh, it has been a godsend. It has been uh, really cool to be on this side of things, to see how God has shaped and brought it to be. Maybe you are new and you're like, what is this place all about? Uh, I would give you like the the whole day to talk about all of our values, but I can't. But one thing I can do is invite you next Sunday, uh, because after the service, we're going to have free food, and you get an opportunity to quiz me. I don't even care. Ask. You get to meet uh, some of our small group leaders, our core leaders. Uh, You get to meet our staff, and I would love to have you next week. We call it a vision lunch. We do it periodically, and it's a great way for you to know the core values, the the, the beliefs, the things that run this place. And so I'd love to have you. That's my spiel for that. But this morning we're talking about freedom. And it's really interesting, this word freedom, because uh, our world likes to define it very differently than the Christian faith, right? Like, I want to be free, they say, but freedom is often like autonomy. Like, I just want to make my own choices. I want to do my own thing. I don't want anyone controlling me. And in the world, like, that's freedom. The ability to just do my own thing, to run my own life. But on this side of the gospel, anyone else like remember running your own life and it really felt like uh, your life was running you? Anyone else? Uh, Because what happens in life is fears come in and sometimes fears are a little bit more controlling than I am. And sometimes worries come in or some of you started work and you got paid money and money starts controlling you. You want to make decisions, but money starts making decisions. It's really interesting. The world has this idea of freedom. I don't want to be controlled by anything. But then they allow friends to dictate what beauty is for them, and they become controlled by the insecurity of, of, of coming into a place and worried about views, opinions. It's really interesting. Uh, as we get into freedom, i got to separate it from the worldly freedom, because we're going to open up God's word, and I need you to cl- be clear of what Jesus is not speaking about. You see, worldly freedom has this exponential growth of inward bondage. If you could put that up, worldly freedom has this exponential growth of of this inner bondage. I mean, think of the prodigal son who left. I want all of my wealth, dad. Like I want every, all the inheritance and I want to be free. I want to make my own decisions. And then in his own decisions, he caught himself in a place of the pig pen because uh, it always acts nice. It always looks good. But it never ends well. In fact, like, uh, this is just a freebie as we get into this. You know, like, something has become your master when, like, it has created definitions for you. Way to say this, like, you know money has become your master when it has started defining what is valuable to you. And you're like, no, I define that. No, your wealth defined it for you. Or you know, like, uh, an addiction has become controlling when it starts defining your day, Right? And the world says, I don't want to be controlled by anything, but many of their definitions on beauty, on value, on worth, on good, on bad, on, on, 
on strength or weaknesses is made from the very things that they say are not controlling them. It's interesting. But the flip side of it is they look at our God, and maybe you're, you're not a believer. You look at God, and you say, he is controlling. I don't want that. That's not freeing. In fact, like, it's interesting because very contrary to what the world thinks, God is not constricting. He's freeing. And in fact, like Jesus's perspective, he says this, like, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. You know that passage where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and I'll give you rest. What's interesting, the world sees those two words. Can you put that? The world sees weak and weary, and instantly they're like, uh, I don't want to be weak, so I'm not coming to him, because whenever I'm weak, people abuse me, right? Because their sins have, have created definitions for them. And I don't want to be weary, because I wouldn't trust you. And so it's just really interesting. We keep away from the very giver of freedom because of the definitions of our own sin, but I'm so excited to dive into this because my father's not confining at all. Anyone else the most freeing you've ever felt is in the hands of the father, like, right? Like, uh, I'm like, I, I hear this and I'm like, I, I know my marriage and my marriage is freeing. I know the worldly marriages are constricting and, and there's full of chaos and, and, and sometimes like lies and deceit. My, my, my family, I feel freedom. My life, like I get to freely make decisions. I'm not confined by anything. My Lord doesn't confine me. And so we have just this, uh, we have a perspective that has to be shaped as we talk about real freedom. Because I get to make my own decisions. I just don't want to do what the world wants to do anymore, right? Like, that's, a, that's the fun thing as we grow. Like, things just shift in our opinions, change. And so last week, uh, we, there was second week of a series, Moving Forward. Uh, and it's been all about spiritual growth. If you've been with us, week one, I had a, uh, a whiteboard up here. And I told you last week that like, I got up onto the stage not thinking about the fact that the majority of you over here could see nothing or over there could see nothing on the whiteboard. So forgive me. Last week, I made a little image for you, and it was this. Um, because this is sort of like key to this whole idea of growth. Like I will probably teach this for years to come. This is Second Peter chapter 1. And it's so meaty. But this whole series of moving forward in the faith, the reason you want to know God is in that center circle. Because it, it's, not, it's not so that our life gets better. That's a, that's a very immature reason to know God. It's not so that you can, uh, you, can, you can go to heaven. That's a very immature even. It's not like a get out of hell quick card. That's not why we get to know God. He says that the very reason is that we get to escape the corruption of the world in, in other words, be free, the bondage of the world, and we get to participate with him in his nature. Like, we get to do life with him. That's why we know God. But I told you last week, uh, and Second Peter does this. If you ever read that, it keeps going. Peter, Peter knew what he was doing. He kept saying these words through, that through knowing God, we have everything we need. But then through everything we need, we have an opportunity to know his goodness. And then if you see, through his goodness and his glory, we start understanding the promises of God, very personalized to us, his kingdom. And it's through claiming those promises as real that we get to participate with him. But I told you last week this, and maybe some of you wrote it down. I told you that if there is a disconnect in experiencing God's nature, participating with him, another way of saying that, anyone ever like struggle with peace at work 
or anyone ever struggle with joy in your home? Anyone ever struggle that you, to believe that you're actually enough and you still struggle with lies? I think we're all there. If you've ever struggled to experience God's nature, hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, it might be found in your struggle to hear him and to submit to him, right? That was all last week. If you missed last week's message, I wouldn't encourage you. How do we hear God's voice? How do we hear God's voice? That's what the whole message was on, and it has led us to today because I, I know something very true. Anyone know that when God speaks, uh, you start feeling a little bit uncomfortable? Anyone ever feel that way? When God speaks, uh, he, he does start shaping. He prunes. He, he, ca- he calls you forward. Uh, like, like Peter, you, you have to step out into the water, and, and when God speaks, things happen. And so what I know to be true is uh, as you start hearing the voice of the Lord, you're going to start having um, to either believe what he's saying or run from what he's saying. And you really have to start making a decision to either stay where you're at or to move forward with freedom. And this is where we're at this morning. Because as you get to know his goodness, there's something that I know completely. As you get to know his goodness, his greatness, our hearts have this ability then to either believe it or not to believe it. And this is where I want to sit because Paul is about to talk to a whole group of people who know the Lord but still struggle to believe what that knowing means for them. He, the, a whole group of people, the, the Corinth church, is in his second letter to them. He's like, I, you have been given so much, but you're still being halted by what you think. So there's some believing change. In fact, like if you want to remember this word belief, because I'll tell you, freedom is only found in believing the truths of God. Only be, in believing, Jesus says, like, the truth will set you free, right? The world likes to say that and call that, you know, their little wisdom piece, but Jesus said it. And because the truth sets you free, that sort of inevitably means the opposite, like the backwards when you look at it. If you lack freedom, it might be because we cling to wrong truths. Does that make sense? If truth sets you free, the opposite is uh, if you lack freedom, it might be because you're clinging to some wrong beliefs. And so as we get to know the Lord, there's going to be an exchange. And so if you'll be with me this morning... Paul's about to talk to the Corinthian church and say, there's an exchange that you need to do because you are holding on to some wrong beliefs that have limited your ability to feel freedom. And so this is where we're getting it. Does that make sense? Like often, like God's saying, I need you to exchange this thing. And you're like, but I'm not, I don't want to because this is all I know. And so there's this power when we actually do it. So I told you earlier that worldly freedom has this exponential growth of inner bondage. But the beautiful thing is that godly freedom has this, uh, as we hand over bondage points, it has this exponential growth of real freedom. Like really, like godly freedom, where the world says, uh, as I go and pursue autonomy, what they don't realize is they're being bound by things inwardly. Godly freedom, as, as I hand over and make some exchanges I'm starting to feel peace like never before. As I hand over uh, some lies of my past, I'm starting to make sense of this. But it's really interesting. Uh, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth because he sees what I see, what you've probably seen. A lot of free people doubting they're free. 
Anyone ever known that? Like a lot of free people still walking with a limp. I've been there before. Anyone else? A lot of free people still giving into fear. Anyone ever felt like a lot of free people still being controlled by past memories? A lot of free people still being controlled by insecurities. And so Paul's looking at this church and saying, I need them to know that they are one, not alone, but two, it doesn't have to be that way. You see, there's this paradox of faith as we get in. That the enemy wants to say, hey, the reason you are afraid means that uh, you don't know God enough and to live in that shame. But the paradox of faith is uh, we can be free yet still struggle with sin and yet are still as fully free as we were the day that Christ saved us. And that paradox has to, one, be normalized, but two, be addressed in us again and again and again. And so he's writing to a group of people, and I'm so excited. So this is what he says, because one thing I don't want is we start awkwardly addressing the Lord. Have any of you ever uh, came into contact with someone? Uh, (laughs) Here's a fun little way of saying it came into contact with someone and you know something about their past and they know that you know something about their past and you're like, do I bring it up, right? Like, and it's just this awkward, you don't know how to address them. Do I bring it up? Like, do I just tell them it's okay? Uh, Do do I, and you're just waiting for them to bring it up so that the, the, the world is all clear, right? Anyone ever felt that way? Well, when it comes to God, we are all often the other person because the whole time they're just hoping that you have forgotten. And often, like, God knows that we know that he knows of our sins, and we don't know how to address him or talk with him because we just pray the whole time that he will forget it instead of actually addressing it and dealing with it. And we start engaging with the Lord in this very awkward way, like we're little middle schoolers. We're like, I don't, I don't know how to talk with you, God. And so he's normalizing it in this statement, in this whole section And so we're going to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, and Paul says, this is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. In other words, already, we're not walking up to him awkwardly thinking that he knows what we know that we've done and, and hoping that he's just forgotten. No, we have confidence as we approach the Lord. And he continues, not that like we are competent, and ourselves to claim anything as, as if it's coming from us. But no, our competence, our, our, our feeling of being enough is from him who has made us enough. He's made us competent to be servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now we're going to pause here because I need to preface. Paul's about to get very Old Testament like, all right? He's about to talk about the difference between the letter that kills and the spirit that brings life. He's talking in a minute about the, uh, the, the stone tablets, the letter of the law. If any, any of you remember from like a Sunday school class, Moses got the Ten Commandments, wrote them on, on a, a stone tablet, and those were the laws of God. He says the law brought death is what he's about to say. Because literally you had to kill an animal in order to be okay. And in fact, like then you couldn't even move forward in your faith because still like we can't do that on our own. We will always be angry. We will always have problems. And so he's talking about in a minute the difference between the old way of life and this new way. All right. 
because he's trying to challenge them to think differently. In fact, he, he brings up Exodus 34 where, where, you know, Moses would hear the Lord of the Lord. He'd come and tell it to the people and they'd see the radiance of God's glory on Moses' face and they'd be like, he's a follower of God. Like he, he's a man that we can listen to. And so Paul continues, he says, now, if that ministry of death, which was chiseled in letters on stone tablets, if that came in glory so that the people of Israel could uh, not gaze at Moses' face because it was so bright, because it was so glorious, but now that glory has set aside, so then how much more will the spirit, the ministry that he brought come in glory? In other words, Paul's saying like, hey, Corinthians, you have a very small view of the freedom that you have in Christ. In fact, I'd look at you, I'd look in, my, in a mirror at myself, hey, Greg, like you have a very small view of the freedom that you have in Christ because you're still comparing things. You're still believing that God is this old, di- distant God who's very angry. You're still allowing fears or your shame to dictate who the Lord is. You have a wrong opinion of freedom. And so he's looking at the Corinthians and like, you have a wrong opinion. How much more glorious will this new one be? And he continues, he says, for if there was glory in the ministry that brought condemnation, the ministry that said, hey, you're not good enough. Anyone ever felt like that? Like the Lord said, you're not good enough? Well, that's a lie because he's saying now how much more glory comes from the ministry of justification where the Lord says, you've been made right, clean. And yet we get stuck on this old way of things. And he's like, no, I need you to see the new way of things. And so he says, indeed, like what had glory? It's gone because of the greater glory now. Because it's been set aside, and he says, much more permanent glory has come in. And then he continues, and this is where it's going to make sense. I promise. He says, since then, we have hope, and we act with great boldness. If you want to know this word, Paul is saying, I need you to know that like, I've done this hard work of discovering that what I thought was true is not true. That how I thought I was acting like, is not how it should be. What I thought of the Lord is not how the Lord really is. Because if that was glorious, then when I met Jesus, he shaped everything. I have hope, and I act with great boldness. Another word is confidence. I act with great freedom, acts of freedom. And he says, I'm not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of glory that was fading. But their minds were hardened. Paul says, indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that that veil is still there since it's only in Christ that it is set aside, torn. Indeed, to this very day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. Now, this is why I talked about um, when I speak truth in a minute, some of you are already toned out. Because when Moses is spoken, when, when this idea of freedom, what Jesus brought, is brought in, we have, our flesh does not want to hear it. It's really interesting. Our flesh does not want to hear it. Paul is literally saying, hey, uh, they are stuck in this reinforced talk of what Moses showed them and taught them by not what he spoke, but by what he did. And so Paul says, like, I'm not like Moses. We're not like Moses. It's, it's inter- interesting if you're wondering, like, why did he say that? Because in uh, Exodus 34, 
Paul is getting a little Old Testament commentary right here. And you got to hear this. In Exodus 34, Moses was with the Lord. And then he got to speak to all the people of, of God what God told him. And his face was radiant and glorified. And everyone believed that he was from God. But as the day kept going and Moses kept living, and I think you can all agree, like we, we have a lot of sin and lies that we still believe. As the day kept going, the glory of God started fading in Moses' face. So what he did is he hid it so the people wouldn't see that he wasn't enough. You see, the people trusted him because his face was glorious, but when it was fading, he covered it so the people wouldn't see that he was not enough. And so what happened is a reinforced lie, and I need you to hear this, because what happened is this reinforced lie that we will show up glorious but hide everything else. We will show up glorious, but when we're fearful, when we're insecure, we'll hide that away. And for thousands of years, the people of God reinforced that lie. Pharisees didn't just come up to be. Pharisees were taught to be pretentious and clean on the outside. But anything that was wrong or nasty, they hid. This is like you and I still, anytime something bad, anything that this, this fear happens, insecurity comes, we hide. We hide. And it's this reinforced belief that, like, I can uh, act glorious while hiding my feelings of incompetence. I can act good enough while hiding my real weaknesses. I can act good enough while hiding, like, the moments where, like, I'm fading. And Paul is saying we are not like Moses, who was fearful that the Lord wouldn't be with him as he was fading. That's a, that's a lie we believe often. How many of you believe like when, when your joy is fading that you're the problem? How many of you believe that like when you're stuck in fear that you're the problem? And as you get into that mindset, we actually toss ourselves away from the presence of the Lord. We actually cover up and, and, and lack security in the Lord. It's this nasty spiral of fear. It's interesting because even you and I today, the Corinthian church, where they were fearful, they chose to hide. The places of their weakness, they chose to hide. The places of their, 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 their sorrow, they chose to hide and conceal. It's this ongoing belief, and as we do that, the Lord speaks peace, and we, it goes in one ear and out the other, because we don't believe it. We don't sit in it, or maybe an, an, a correct way to say it that you'll connect with is we disguise it. One commentary I, wrote, uh, I read said that uh, Moses was disguising himself so that he could control their perception of him, so that he could protect himself, so that he could make sure that he wasn't like, affected by their opinions. And it's this like, really interesting. How many of you guys, when things are going wrong in your day, you just would rather disguise smile so you don't actually have to deal with it? But then you just spiral even more. That when things happen, you just want to hide it even more. You disguise it, put on the face so that you don't have to deal with it. He literally, he wrote that this was a self-protection. Some of you, you protect yourself a lot. And then you wonder, why am I not finding healing? Some of you, you, you try to self-medicate a lot. And you wonder, why am I not healing? 
Why am I not finding freedom? Paul looked at the Corinth church and said, you, you, are, you are stuck in this old way. We are not. We are not like Moses who hid himself, who tried to take care of it himself. Some of you have got to stop self-protecting and instead the opposite has happened. Instead the opposite because uh, <laughs> many of you, it reinforces this lie like I'll figure it out and then I'll come back. I'll figure it out and then I'll come back. I think that's one of the hardest parts about being a pastor is because I know you're not going to figure it out on your own. And then you'll never come back. And if you do come back, you'll have the bag on your face disguising that you figured it out. Right? We do this a lot. But Paul continues, and here's the verse that I said at the very beginning. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. Do you want to put that up? When, when one turns to the Lord, that veil is removed. And he says, but the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then he says, all of us with unveiled faces, we get to see the glory of the Lord, like Moses did. But unlike Moses, it's this glory that's reflected in a mirror meaning it's internal. God's in us. And then all of us are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. And that comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, that is a lot. But someone in this room needs to hear this. Someone in this room needs to hear this in the, their heart. Because some of you have um, not taken this as reality over your life. And so you have kept this huge, uh, huge gap between you and the things of God and especially you and the people of God. And though you've wanted freedom, you have not believed it to be true. Because in freedom, like uh, that separation has been taken off. You and I, we now have this opportunity to see God's glory and to see that it's one with us. These are the moments in my testimony. Um, when I share the things of my past, anyone ever like, I get, I, I get pity, I get like sweaty. Anyone else like, you're just like, you just start sweating as you be vulnerable. Anyone else with me? No, I just have a sweat problem, okay. And as you speak it, as you speak it, where your fade happened, anyway, that's like, as you speak and you start like, you're not hiding the fact that you were fearful you're not hiding the fact. You're not covering up that you were insecure or that you had sinned. But instead, you're leading from this place of an un unveiled face. At the end of every time I talk about it, I hear a series of these things. God is so good. I see the Lord in that. Or even the one that my wife has said to me and I stuck with me, like, I see God in you. Why do they see that? Because we have the glory of the Lord, and it's as though it's reflected in a mirror. We're not like Moses, but, but through Christ, this new ministry means that we have the Spirit in us. That he saved us from our sins, so now we don't hide. We don't hide. Because as I am vulnerable, this is why, Christ, this is why Paul says, I boast all the more in my weaknesses. Because when I speak my weaknesses, he is seen and glorified. And like I discover freedom. Some of you, you hide it, you bag it up, and you wonder why you keep doing it. You wonder why you keep spiraling in it. 
Paul says, I boast all the more in my weaknesses so that Christ's strength may be in me. And then this last thing, it says, uh, all of us are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You want to know one of the reasons why Glory Church is named Glory Church? This right here. Because one of the most demeaning things that we can do to our own heart is to think that the moment I was saved, I should not struggle anymore. So you've done that and you've bagged up your heart. Because you became saved, you were given eternal freedom, but you're still fearing. And in your heart, the enemies like that is wrong. You are messed up. You're alone in this. And so you should just cover up. But this is the truth, that all of us have the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, but we are also being transformed into that image from one degree of glory to the next. This is the church uh, ministry that, that can sometimes say, once you get saved, you should instantly not struggle with any of those things anymore. And then we start putting, as we do, like because I, 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 I want to have a plan of freedom for people, right? We do. But we start dictating what that looks like. And we start like, expecting people to be further along than they are. And that only makes them want to hide even more. Right? Like it only makes them, no, I want to be a church of people that say, Freedom is in degrees. It happened, but it's also in a degree. And so there's some of you who are not taking ownership of the degree of glory that you've actually been given, and you're still acting like he hasn't changed you. Others of you, you're thinking that it's too big and you're not even taking the next step of glory that is there. Does that make sense? Like this is the beauty of that's freedom. That is freedom. The fact that you are made free and now have the opportunity to grow in freedom one degree to the next. But the issue is you'll bag it up. <laughs> I wanted to have a paper bag, but I was like, I decided, nah, I won't. You bag it up and you don't let growth happen. How many times do you do that? You bag it up. And, and some of you like, it's just something that we do and we don't mean to do it. We're, we're like, it's, it's a... It's a defense mechanism to struggle and then want to deal with it on our own. Instead of saying like, hey, like this past week, like I really struggled with a whole lot of fear. And as I do that, I can start, my wife will remind me like, you don't have to act like the fear is something that it used to be so big. But instead, like you've grown the degree of glory, you know how to handle this and so I can like talk myself out of it on my own. But when we bring it to people, and it, it's, it changes. And so I need you to say, because I need you to write this down. Spiritual growth is not this uh, numerical or scaled growth. It's cyclical. See, Paul's looking at the church at Corinth and saying like, uh, you're disguising yourself with fake glory because you think you have to like, you have to be X, Y, Z. Or you think like, because I'm still struggling with the same thing, I'm like uh, stuck at stage two in my faith. And you ever feel that way? Or if you, uh, you were at stage five in your addiction, but if you mess up, you'll be like knocked back to stage two again. Anyone ever feel that way? Like, and this is, you're disguising yourself as being enough. It's like the old accountability partners where you're like, how many times you mess up this week? 
And you're like, you want to either lie or say as if it like, it changes your standing with the Lord. But what he's saying is all of us with an unveiled face, we're being transformed into Christ's image. It's a cyclical growth. Think of it like this. You will keep meeting difficult people. It is not about leaving beyond the difficult people or the hard situations. It's about the cyclical growth of how am I going to deal with it again this time? Knowing that heaven is here, God is with me, and it'll keep going. Some of you, like, you keep thinking freedom will be found when I move beyond this place. But the Lord is like, no, you're going to keep dealing with this thing as you cyclically grow to understand who I am in it. Does that make sense? It's very different. So you're like, I just, like one day, like when I start, stop having all these hard problems, like life is just always going to be hard. But this time we have a degree of glory. Now I don't have to handle it the same way I did last time. And the degree of glory that I have right now, I understand like when I can be vulnerable with people, this is my favorite thing to talk with someone when, I, when I'm discipling them. Because if you're in an addiction, the enemy wants to believe, like, if you took that drink again, that you're going all the way back to square one. But I want to remind them, this is a cyclical growth. What about this is different than before? Often it's, I'm not alone this time. That is a degree of glory. I've realized that I have a community around me. That's a degree of glory. You see, the, the, it's not this numerical scale. It's a cyclical growth. And he continues in, in, uh, because he, he ends in this way. Therefore, since all of that, it's by God's mercy that we engage in this and we don't lose heart. That's why it's this shift. If you put that up, uh, this shift of, of therefore, like since we have God's mercy, we are, we don't lose heart because we've done a few things. And so as we end this morning, um, I wanted to keep going because this chapter is like my jam. This is chapter four. It just keeps getting better and better. It does. I did say that, Miss Rhonda. But some of you will keep what I'm saying and allow it to go through one ear and out the other because Paul is very evident, like very clear. We don't lose heart in what this truth is. We don't lose heart in the fact that I'm being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And how? Because I actively do this exchange. I renounce what I used to hide and I refuse to practice cunning. That word means I'm not gonna deceive anyone. I'm not gonna disguise anymore. I'm not gonna act like I'm better than I am. I'm not gonna act like I have everything together. Some of you, you're not taking a step in the degree because you're still dealing with the things that you hide and you're still practicing cunning, deceitfulness to those around you. But he's like, I'm not also gonna falsify God's word. But by the open statement of truth, I commend myself to the conscience of everyone. Do you know what to know that, that means? Paul is saying, if I were Moses living in the kingdom of God that I am today, I would have shown them that it's not me, it's God. I would have shown them with the veil off that like this fade is because I'm fearful. Or like I would have shown them because I commend myself to the conscience of everyone, which means as a pastor, when I struggle, you will know about it. 
Do I want you to know about it? Not always. But when we have issues, we commend ourselves to all people. Why? That's how I grow in freedom. Because I'm not like Moses, who's going to bag my growth or my fear or my sin struggles. But I'm going to uh, renounce those things. Some of you, this falsifying God's word is how you're going to need to end. Because uh, I think many of us falsify God's word. This word that literally means in the Greek that you're distorting or handling it poorly. Or you are uh, tampering with it to your own advantage. Are you ready? Some of you are hearing this and you will falsify God's word by allowing your personality trait to be this trump card to why you don't have to do this with people. I'm just not an open person, so I don't have to. I'm just a quiet, I, I just, my, my dad taught me to deal with things myself. All right, well, you keep doing that and see if you ever find freedom. So you, your, personal, your, your personal either beliefs or your personality traits, we sometimes use as a trump card. Well, I just like, I don't like it when people vent. Like, I don't, I just, I don't like to do that. Like, I, I just, I like to speak things, you know, in a more, in an easy manner. But then you never vulnerably share what's really going on. You see, if you're actually going to make the use of God's word in a glorious way, then you will say, here I am. Here's what I'm dealing with. And this is where the Lord is using it. Here's where I'm missing it. But I want to be with you in this. Like, I don't want to be stuck here. You see, a lot of you, you think your personality means that you don't have to grow in those certain things of the Lord. I'm just not a patient person. All right, well, then grow in it. I'm just not a kind person. Well, I just, don't have, I just don't have mercy for people like that. You know, we always do that. That's falsifying God's word and not like allowing the glory of the Lord to grow us from one degree to the next. All right, so as we end, uh, band, you guys can come up because I, I want to be very practical, um, very practical. Next week, we're talking about a fun word. It's an R word, repentance. Yeah, some of you have a... Um, a a distorted view of repentance. And if you'll bear with me, I'm going to allow God's word next week to transform how you view repentance. Because uh, I promise you, it is not often what we think it is. But freedom is found through repentance. But we're just going to sit where we're at right now. Um, because some of you, you need to do the baby steps of taking off that bag, right? So you need to, you've concealed things. You've disguised things for far too long. So I called up some friends this week, and I had some friends call up some friends, and I found over a dozen people in our church who are more than willing to be that soundboard for people who want growth. Some of you, you your cop-out is, I just don't know anyone that I could talk to, or I just like, I don't want to go, like, who do I trust? Like, what are people that I can trust? Or others of you, I don't need to do that. Some of you have built friendships that are very happy-go-lucky and never diving deep. And so because of that, you've never dove deep with people. So I just want to give, I called up these people and I, I set, cast the vision of this, like, hey, this week I'm challenging people to actually take off their disguises and to say, this is who I am. Like, I would love to walk with, with someone in faith. 
So actually, like, if this is something that you would like to do, I got, I got 12, more than 12 people in our church, and we'd, I'd love to connect you with someone who's in your age uh, demographic, who's your, uh, your gender, who can walk with you. And honestly, I would prep them, like, you don't know, have to know anything. Just be willing to talk with them and actually do what the gospel says. Give them an opportunity to take off the back because we're not like Moses who hid. And so uh, on your cards, you can mark that on the back. You can mark like, hey, I want to grow in my faith. If you want to do that, I encourage you to do so because I'd love to get you connected with people. Maybe you want to talk with a pastor. Write that. I'd love to talk with someone. Just, I'd love it to keep it a little bit more safe. That's okay too. But God, right now, I just pray that we would realize that everything we've heard today will mean nothing if it's not brought into action. I think that's the most humbling thing about your word, God, is we deceive ourselves if we hear the truths of the, the Lord and don't put into action. Your word says that. Hearing without doing is just not going to change us. It's not going to change attitudes. It's not going to change our beliefs. But your word says if we instead like submit and accept with meekness the implanted word, the true change happens. So God, I pray right now that we would be aware of all the times that we've hid ourselves We'd be aware of all the times that we've expected growth in places and have then turned in shame because it didn't happen. Forgive us for every time that we put on disguises to pretend to be better than we are. And in turn, it just hurt us more. Forgive us for the wrong opinion we have of you because of it. That God, you only want the proper, we think. You only want the good. And in reality, Jesus, you said, come to me, all who are weak, all who are weary, and I will give them rest. That your burden is a burden, but it's light. Your yoke, you are a master, but your yoke is easy. So God, I just pray that we can be people who are genuine. To you be the glory. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.